Next on MLR Weekly, Utah CEO Kimball Care, Major League Rugby star Ben Lesage, and MLR headlines with Rugby Morning's Coffee Break via John Fitzpatrick. Rugby wrap-up brought to you in part by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, and Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Welcome back to MLR Weekly, as presented by rugby wrap-up Matt McCarthy in New York City, but not for the whole show because we'll be on the road again. We have our recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick. John, greetings. Take us away. Hey, Matt. Old Glory DC, they have signed Argentina international tight head prop Romero Herrera. Herrera's made 39 appearances with the Pumas and has also played in Super Rugby and top 14 a big signing for old glory dc if you play 39 times for the pumas you got to be one hell of a player great pickup in the front row a key position for old glory next rugby atl they re-signed lock justin basson basson he's 6'6 260 pounds he played 15 matches for rugby atl last season i doubt he had anything to do with the rebrand well either way he is one big Next! Can you say that on this show? Next! The Utah Warriors have announced a rugby alliance with top 14 club to lose. Some more details are coming later this spring, but it sounds like there could be some exhibition matches in Utah and across North America, and there'll be some player and coaching swaps as well. Fascinating stuff coming out of Utah. And the big question for rugby fans across the globe about this alliance is, Où est la bibliothèque? Prochain! Merci, John, and thank you. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this with the CEO of the Utah Warriors, Kimball Care. Selling or trading in your vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. With Easy Trade, start online or visit us in store. We want your vehicle, and we'll give you up to 125% of KBB value. It's easy at Sheehy. And we're back with the CEO of the Utah Warriors, not Kimball Kajar, not Kimball Care, uh, Kahar. It's Kimball Care, sir. Is that correct? That's right. We got it right. It's not Kimball Carr, Kajar, like I've been saying for 15 years, and you just corrected me today politely, and I apologize to you and your family, sir. But the Utah Warriors, very exciting club, uh, Good, solid season last year. You got Greg Cooper coming in as your head coach. He played for that team called the All Blacks a couple of seven times, right? Yeah, he's a decent guy. No, he's, he's listen, Greg is, Coops is, is one of those guys that has been around the block, not only as, as a player, but as a coach. Um, he coached in the top 14. He coached in the top league. He promoted uh, the Dynabors twice. Um, from, you know, Division Two to the top league in Japan because of some weird COVID things that happened during the time that he was there. You know, he's coaching super, uh, super rugby. Um, and he really is someone that we're excited to have in, in, in the organization. His experience, his professionalism, you know, we feel like, um, you know, we're in a much better situation now than, than we've ever been. So we're excited about 2023 and what it's, what it's going to provide. And he's your fourth head coach. So you guys aren't, you know, you don't, you don't mess around. If, if something's not right, you change the coach, 
right? Well, you know, one, one of those changes was was obviously Chris Latham and just his inability to be able to come back and return. I, I still think to this day, you know, Latham would have been a, an amazing coach in this league. Um, I still think he's got plenty of, of, of energy. But, you know, the nice thing about Chris is that he's just – he loves the game. He loves, you know, the people that are surrounding him. He's – He's an unbelievable human being, but because of COVID, um, unfortunately, he had to make that adjustment and stay in country. So um, it, it worked out the way that it needed to work out. We're just we're happy to have Coops involved, and, and we're looking forward to 2023. And I wanted to touch base upon the ownership group. It's a pretty strong ownership group, and it even has international ties that even connect with Leinster. Um, man, it, it's it's been an amazing journey just in the short five years that the league's been around, heading into our sixth season. Um, but, you know, even more so on our side to know that in 2018 and 2019, you know, we were effectively operating on what I kind of called the, uh, the peanut butter and jelly budget. Um, you know, it was kind of that proof of concept, you know, model where we didn't really know if the league was actually going to be around in, in the third year. It was, let's just kind of get through this and see how this goes. And, uh, we got to that point where, um, the guys at, uh, the Tamarack fund, came into the equation and um, began to partner with our existing ownership. Um, some really, really smart guys. Um, the chairman of, of the Warriors now is a guy by the name of John McGeady, uh, who's a former uh, Black Rock College guy, uh, played and represented Leinster, um, and, you know, just has an absolute love not only for this game, but also for the success of the business overall. So, uh, he's one of the Tamarack Fund managing partners. And, um, you know, to have someone like him involved with what we've been able to do since they came on board in, you know, early 2020 uh, and to kind of work through some of the transitions of them, uh, you know, assuming control of the team and impacting the development of what we're doing, it's been it's been amazing. And we're, and we're truly grateful to partner with these guys. They're amazing. You guys have the opportunity here to maybe challenge in the West. Objectively speaking, I'm, I'm excited about looking at the prospects of what the Warriors can do on the pitch. Yeah, listen, there, there's no doubt that with his leadership, you know, the culture and the vibe that they're building, as well as the pieces that we've been able to put in place in the offseason, um, we're going to be in the mix in some way, shape, or form. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But, I mean, that being said, I mean, you look at the West, uh, you've got Chicago, which is basically, you know, the best of the best from Austin and L.A., um, you've got, uh, Houston that has been, you know, stocking up and doing some exciting things. Seattle, which has been consistently good from day one, San Diego, who I think is going to rebound and have a successful year with some of the additional pieces they put in place. Uh, and then Dallas that I, I believe isn't going to be, you know, just an overlooked team, um, you know, much to like what they were last year. So every game in the West is going to be an absolute battle, um, holding, you know, serve on home court so to speak, you know, being able to win your, your, your games at home is going to be crucial. Um, and I don't know if, you know, getting, you know, bonus point wins is going to be in the deck of cards every single week. It's going yeah. to be a slugfest. And your first game, you're opening up and you're opening up that stadium, Snapdragon Stadium, which in San Diego. Yeah. Well, listen, there's, there's plenty to be excited about with all of that. I mean, San Diego being able to move into Snapdragon is going to be uh, amazing for the league. Um, that's a beautiful stadium. Um, you know, we're, we're really excited for, for that, uh, for Ryan and, and Darren and those guys to really be able to put on a, a good product and event down there. 
Um, so we're excited to really open that up with them. Um, but, you know, then to come back here to altitude, there's really no other team in, in this league that has that uh, element for all these other teams to, to combat. Um, you know, so being able to play at almost, uh, you know, a mile high uh, is going to be tough for teams. So, you know, with our crowd and the energy that they provide, I mean, we've got a good fan base. It's always raucous at Zions Bank Stadium and at, in, in, in altitude. Uh, you know, we're expecting to really be putting on some good shows at home. Now, are you going to have the, the mascot on the motorcycle going? going <laughs> Uh, you know, it's we're, we're thinking of new ways, you know, to really uh, when we talk about innovation in the sport. You know, that, that, that's one of the other. Now, that was that that was that was class. Of, uh, that was great. And you have if, yeah. if, you know, it happened organically, but it would, be, it would be so great if it could happen regularly. You know, it's like, yeah, kind of like a home field advantage thing. It's like the green monster in Boston for the Red Sox. <laughs> you guys have the mascot on the motors. Oh, there he goes. He can only do it twice a match, though. Yeah, you know, our mascot that season didn't really quite know the boundaries of what could or couldn't be done. Let's just say that that's been corrected. (laughs) What's the most exciting thing if you're a Utah Warriors fan that you should look forward to with the offseason changes? You know, listen, we've done a lot. We we really value um, the the game day experience. So there's going to be some new elements, some new uh, on-field entertainment things. We're, We're trying to really kind of think of the whole game day experience uh, differently than, you know, anything that's been done in rugby or even professional sport. Um, and we really try to, you know, dig into that and lean into that very heavily. So, um, you know, there's going to be plenty of new things that are going to be uh, on the field as well as off the field in terms of how we, you know, entertain, communicate, educate uh, fans while they're at the stadium, new fans so that they come to, to love and appreciate the sport of rugby. Uh, we've got a new hospitality area that we're excited to uh, to put out to the community. And, you know, we've already seen a lot of pickup from that. We're almost sold out with that hospitality uh, tent area. So, you, you know, the game day vibe is going to be great. All well, historic, historically speaking, you guys have had some of the most exciting matches in league history. The comeback Kings, you know, come, some yeah. of those unbelievable comeback wins. 2021 was, you know, I had to get a pacemaker inserted. I mean, those games just about near killed me some of the some of the time. Let's let's open it up a little bit and talk about the league. Uh, I got some questions for you in terms of what's going on. Um, what what is the general feeling amongst the clubs about the Super Rugby Americas, the which is apparently another professional setup that's going to touch base on American soil via the American Raptors? In, in, in most cases, more rugby is not bad rugby, right? Um, and, and, you know, we appreciate what the, the, you know, they were formerly known as SLAR and now they're SRA, um, what, what those guys have been able to build. And it's, it's truly exciting. Uh, I mean, what they've been able to turn um, into with their national teams and this collaboration with, you know, the professional teams that they're doing down there it's super interesting, but it's very good for their markets, their countries, you know, what it is that they see in terms of their challenges. And it's, it's truly, it is actually pretty innovative and exciting in terms of, um, you know, South American rugby, but, you know, in North American rugby, it becomes a very different equation. Um, And and I, I think it's something that, you know, you can't really speak to without acknowledging just how hard it is to grow any sport, let alone rugby here in the United States. Um, you know, and I, I, I think 
just going off of the five years, five seasons, you know, heading into our sixth, you know, you've got to remember that just, just in terms of the, the, the raw capital of what the MLR owners and teams have put together in, in those five years, it's over $230 million. And that's just on salaries, expenditures at the league level. That doesn't include the local operational expenses and costs of each team. That doesn't include at 500, the grass- $500 million over, over five seasons if you average in 10 teams. Exactly. So what you're, you're, you're kind of looking at just from those base numbers right there is it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money uh, to really try to penetrate the American market and you know, the concept that, that is being presently sort of bandied about with SRA and, and, you know, the American Raptors, you know, having known them and, and partnered with them originally as part of this MLR experience, it, it, it's, it's not going to come to fruition with, you know, the slow and grow organic model that uh, I think that, that SRA and, you know, world rugby or even USA rugby model would, would potentially try to, you know, support in some way, shape or form, or historically has tried to support that, you know, better stated, but, you know, listen, we, we think that where we're at and where we're positioned and what we're doing uh, to support the game uh, is, is vital to what it is that we're doing uh, at the MLR level. Um, not only that amount of capital, you know, we also supported uh, through our, you know, our ownership groups, uh, $2 million to help get the, the World Cup bids here in the United States. We, we committed $300,000 to uh, the repassage uh, rounds that the US, uh, USA Rugby um, did. Yeah, you in, folks in the paid East. for USA Rugby to go to South Africa for those test matches, right? With those warm up matches. Ex- the repassage. That, that was part of the, the yeah. And listen, you know, that's part of, you know, our interest to collaborate and be good partners and understanding that, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander on, on both sides. And, um, you know, we're, we're just really looking forward to um, a meaningful, substantive uh, partnership and collaboration with all the various different stakeholders within this hemisphere. That would include Rugby Canada, USA Rugby, World Rugby, and, you know, the, the potential partners from SRA in the long term. How they see, you know, the American Raptors fitting into that and whatever sort of you know, potential plans they have for that. That's really their case and their, um, you know, their conversation that they need to have with world rugby. But as we see it, um, there's plenty of opportunities there to do something much more collaboratively than what's already being done. Interesting. Okay. You, you know, it, it depends on who you speak to across the MLR spectrum on, on, on a take on whether it's positive or negative. Does it, does it ruffle your feathers a little bit that the world rugby and USA rugby at this point seem to be pretty connected to the American Raptors and the SRA thing? Uh, listen, I, I think you, you've got to kind of take that with the grain of salt, no matter what it is, um, y- you know, whether or not this group or that group is connected and how, you know, involved they are in those conversations. I think knowing what we know in terms of the conversations that we've been having with USA rugby and world rugby and others, um, we're, we're just really pushing hard to, to be more engaged, more collaborative, more involved in creating an overarching strategy for North America, because it's not going to happen in various different silos. And, you know, this group trying to do what it's done historically, or that group trying to do what it's done historically, or even the MLR just trying to do things on its own. 
um, that's not going to be good for the game here in North America. I think just broadly speaking, when you look at the game of rugby, just overall, even globally, we have a, a, a very unique, uh, what, what I kind of call a crab pot mentality where, you know, somebody decides to go and do something or, you know, kind of be a little bit different and innovative, then, you know, we have this tendency to pull them back in and try to keep them on the yeah. same playing field. But really, as I look at it from a global perspective, if you even look at the premiership, uh, super rugby, URC, and to some degree, the top 14, rugby worldwide is struggling. It hasn't figured out what's going to be the, the right algorithm to make sure that it's commercially sustainable and viable um, on, on an international level. And so what we have here in North America is an opportunity to really kind of set a new trend and set, set a new path to do something that is candidly very innovative and different than what's been done historically through that union-based um, central contracting, you know, sole control, sole ownership of, of, of players and leagues and, and commercial rights, which in the end, you know, it creates a, a misaligned series of incentives that, you know, we're seeing begin to kind of have uh, issues and it's being tested and it's having problems uh, with owners within, you know, the, the PRL that are going bankrupt because they can't, yeah afford to keep the teams going because yeah. half their players are gone during half the season because they're, you know, up with, and that's you know, premiership that or, you're speaking about over in England. Yeah. 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 So, you know, listen, I think it can't be underscored enough to say that regardless of what, you know, people's perceptions of USA rugby world rugby and this, the SRA stuff is we have a unique opportunity here in the United States uh, and in North America in general with major league rugby to truly, you know, innovate something that's going to be sustainable. We've already shown that we can withstand COVID. We've already shown that we can withstand it's been uh, remarkable, internal issues. To be honest with you, you know, the fact that you guys have, have survived all of this to be able to talk yeah. about a sixth season is pretty remarkable. Well, and, and like I said, the, you know, kind of the outset, like we didn't even really know if we we're going to get into that third season. And, um, you know, to get through COVID, to get through some of the issues that we we saw internally with the Austin and L.A. Uh, stuff, you know, listen, to, to be where we're at today, to now have you mean uh, the, effectively. The, uh, just for the folks at home that might not know this, you're referring to the, the L.A. Giltinis and the Austin Gilgronis uh, allegedly going over the cap too much and then basically – now they're out of the league after a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, effectively they, they stress tested the, the single entity model and how we could withstand, um, you know, a scenario where, um, you know, without really going into too many details, uh, one of the owners was, was really putting uh, the partnership um, uh, under duress. Right. And it needed to, to be able to, to be sorted in, in a, in a clean and, and methodical fashion in order to make sure that, you know, the best interests of the league were safeguarded. And I think overall the MLR did that through that process, but notwithstanding all of that, um, you know, we've gone through all of these different tests and we're, we're heading into our sixth season. We've just added Chicago. Who's got an amazing ownership group. Um, it's widely known and recognized on social media that we're adding another team with another amazing ownership group. And, we're not going to bring you know, up Miami. We're not going to, because it's not, we don't know about it yet. So we're not going to bring it up. 
Well, it, it's up to you, but I, it's obviously out there, you know, in, in, in no uncertain terms. But, you know, listen, both of those groups are adding significant value and, um, you know, intellectual capital to, you know, the boardroom of the MLR, which for me, looking back on where we were at when we had our first meeting in, in late 2016, and it was just a bunch of, of rugby heads to where we're at now with smart, intelligent people that are CEOs and owners of, you know, 44 billion, yeah. um, you know, market cap companies, we've come a long way. We've come a long, long way. And last question, just tell me about the partnership with Stad Toulouse. Yeah, I mean, again, that's just another one of those things where, um, y- you know, from, from the get-go, we think there's an opportunity to be uh, innovative with what we do here in North America and how we present opportunities to uh, not only the rugby community in general and, and how we you know grow the game here in North America, uh, but you know utilizing some of that same you know thinking to to create new opportunities, new commercial and business development opportunities that haven't been done before. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think some of the, the inherent you know, tectonic shifts that we're going to see over the next three to five years within the professional landscape of rugby is uh, is going to be underpinned by, you know, these historic professional models that haven't proven that they can really get outside of themselves. And so we've tried to get on the front end of that by creating this partnership and, the, you know, this alliance with arguably the, the you know, the Real Madrid of rugby um, to, to look at. It's a great way of putting it. New ways. It's it's the way that you know people, and maybe it's the you know the New York Jets or the New York Giants of, of football. However, <laughs> you know whatever your fandom. You don't is. want to reference the Jets right now. Trust me. Okay. All right. Well, we'll st- we'll, we'll stay clear of they're, that. They're they're in shambles again. Yeah. Well, having uh, you know former BYU quarterback there, I've I've kind of closely followed that. But, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, but um, you know, listen, the, the the partnership is is not just rugby it's it's going to be exciting it's going to really help you know liven up uh, not just the rugby community but even more so the non-rugby community to to what we can provide as a sport and the excitement and the energy that as rugby fans we have fallen in love with you know there's going to be some some future opportunities that are going to come from this that we think uh, will fundamentally help us continue to push you know the envelope and continue to push you know, the MLR into new levels, new heights, but as well as push North American rugby uh, to the level that it needs to be in order to be, you know, what I believe can be arguably the best continent of rugby in the world. Well, a calm and thought out perspective from Mr. Kimball Kerr, the CEO of the Utah Warriors. Thank you for coming on, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be right back with Ben Lesage, now of the New England Free Jacks after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. And we are back, and we are back at the Free Jacks facility. That's right, Free Jacks country. And we have one of our favorite all-time rugby wrap-up players in the MLR, Mr. Ben Lesage. Ben? Good to see you. Matt, great to see you again. Thanks for having me on uh, on the show. Ben, it's great to have you back with the Arrows. I know all of Toronto is going to be thrilled to have you here. Yeah, check your notes on that oh, one, shoot. maybe. Yeah. What's, 
Oh, it's the Free Jacks. Right, you're there with you the Free Jacks. The right. Canadian contingent uh, of the U.S. there. A little confusing. Yeah. A little confusing, as you can imagine. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not, uh, the, not the first slip-up you've made on air, so uh, we'll forgive you for Won't that one. Won't be the last. There you go. Won't be the last. All right, so in all seriousness, you, you, you had a bit of a journey recently. You went out to Los Angeles to play for the Giltinis. That's right. And as a, you're as Canadian as anybody is, right? Sure. So were you... When you were in Southern California, did you have to find out what sunblock was because you had never used it before? It's, it's funny you say that, but uh, I was the first person putting on the sunblock. I was surrounded by all the Aussies. Uh, they were wearing long sleeves when it was 16, 17 Celsius out. I had my sunblock on. I was wearing the singlet. I was just embracing all the sun I could get. So uh, we were we were sort of had different agendas there maybe, but the sunblock was probably the first thing I packed. I knew what I was getting into in, in Southern California. You have played against the Arrows as a Giltini, right? You're right. But now this is an arrival, and it's your, your, your former team. Sure. Is it going to be more difficult facing them than it, now with the Free Jacks than it was? facing the arrows with the Giltinis? I, I wouldn't say more difficult. It'll, I think it'll be weird nonetheless every time. I think for me particularly, it's funny, I played for the arrows a couple of years and never actually played a game in Toronto, right? Like we were on the road for a while That's and right. then the season got That's canceled right. and then the second season I spent in Atlanta. So, so that'll be like the one circled on the calendar, maybe the first actual MLR game in Toronto, which will be a funny one. But I mean, That's I think right. in, in this league, it's a pretty short season. Every game matters. Last year, that was it was early in the season. L.A. played uh, Toronto week two in Victoria. So that was like a big one. Um, it was a actually really hard fought battle and, and got a tight win. But but anyways, getting to play them twice this year, getting to play my first game in Toronto. I'm, I'm really looking forward to both those games. And you're not alone here. Because you've got some teammates from that Arrows team. You've got Q, Andrew Quattron, not Quattro. There you go. He's learning. Gotcha, Andrew. Uh, you got Spencer Jones. Yeah. Right. You got Cole Keith. Correct. So what's interesting to me is the Arrows. I thought the mantra was for them to grow the front row and grow the you know all you guys as a unit for yep. Team Canada. Yeah. And here you have two of those key components in that front row with you, which is a luxury for you guys. Yeah, and I mean, you throw in, although not former arrows, but you got Connor Young, who just sort of got his first cap for Canada this fall. That's right. Um, who's a prop here, and then Foster DeWitt, who uh, is sort of like product of BC and been here a couple years now and core member of this team. So, yeah, there's, there's I think, more Canadian front rowers than not on this team. <laughs> so they're, uh, they're gelling and getting along together and, and uh, having a good time down here. So. On that note, we are out of time. I want to thank Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. Thank you to Mr. Kimball Kerr, the CEO of the Utah Warriors, and to Mr. Ben Lesage, now of the New England Free Jacks. And thank you for tuning in. Please look for our other shows, including the Rugby Odds and the College Rugby Wrap-Up. Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube, join our weekly newsletter, and please, please, please join our American Red Cross blood donor team.